0: So Illinois, they have 40 safety net hospitals currently, and they represent 19.1% of all the hospitals in Illinois are, and they're a major source of medical care for low income, uninsured, and um, vulnerable populations. Can you explain Dr. Ishmael, how you believe the safety net hospitals in Illinois are driving safe, efficient care for these vulnerable populations?
1: So the interesting thing about safety net hospitals, we tend to be concentrated in specific areas.
0: Uh-huh. So
1: either um, large, big cities, um, like you just said, underrepresented areas, poor, poor populations, rural hospital, rural settings. So areas where typically there would be maybe primary care sometimes, definitely very reduced number of access to specialty care. So those kind of situations then put the safe the population at risk of not accessing care. So for example, a patient who may be next to a super university hospital who has your neurosur- neurology services, your pulmonology service, down the street, you'll be your safety nets who don't have access to those kind of specialties. So from my perspective, that's where the disproportionate um, services are there,
0: or mm-hmm. aren't there? Absolutely. Can you explain um, what you see as roadblocks that you're experiencing right now in safety net hospitals that are preventing people to get access to care in your hospital right now? Like, can you kind of just explain what you're seeing?
1: So, I think we can divide it up into multiple factors. Um, there's a national shortage of Um, healthcare professionals,
0: Uh
1: Um, nursing alone. um, There's a shortage of nurses in the country. Uh Um, I think as a nation, we haven't um, prepared ourselves and the pandemic kind of exacerbated it. We haven't trained enough healthcare professionals. Um, So for example, um, nurses have decided to work as we call agency or travel nurses and make two, three times as much as they would make if they were on staff at a hospital it's simple supply and demand. Um, and we live in a capitalist society. Um, so if I have an opportunity to make double what I'm making, um, why wouldn't I take that, take that up? So one is the nursing shortage is going to make it worse. And it's harder for me as a safety net hospital to compete with a hospital that has deeper pockets. So if I'm paying premium, um, nursing rates, And another hospital can pay higher than me. Guess where the the nurses are going? They're going to shift to the higher paying facility. Uh I mean, it's human nature. Uh I I don't fault anybody for that. Uh So that's huge. Um, Competing against other hospitals in terms of nursing. Now take the provider setting. A lot of people have chosen not to go into becoming a physician. So there are lots of specialties out there right now, which it's hard to recruit for. I have been trying to recruit for psychiatry for at least the last six months um, and hidden perpetual roadblocks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you work in a safety net hospital, so I may be concerned about your um, your hypertension, your diabetes, but if I am not treating your uh, psychosocial issues at the same time, and you have some behavioral health diagnosis that compounds your medical so now we're trying to balance two issues, both your behavioral psychiatric issues with your medical. And if you're considering how do I even pay for my medication, how do I yeah. um, how where do I live? Do I am I living in a food desert? So those are kind of issues that I need to be able to address with having psychiatry on board. And if I can't even recruit psychiatry and I can't recruit cardiology and all these other specialties, and there's a wait list at other hospitals. So once again, delay care. And those other hospitals are not even accepting your insurance or if you have no insurance, which is ironical because behind me are two pictures uh, are pictures of the Obamas.
0: <laughs> right.
1: right. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We're talking about access to care and that's one of his key cardinal um, legacies that he's left behind. Um, so those are two areas it's like nurse insurance, physician insurance. Then you take on top of it we're living in a society now and where the economy is terrible all over the world, not just in the United States. So people have resources that are they're being stretched to the limit. Uh, just a few months ago, people were talking about how do I put gas in my car?
0: Right.
1: So people have to make a decision, do I get to work? Right. Do I come to the doctor's office? <laughs> mm-hmm. So so that exacerbates it. So there's lots of uh, multiple factorial issues. And then we now throw in, How do you get reimbursed? And I know from a payer perspective, if you send in a claim, and I feel like it's not a clean claim, I send it back to you to readjust the claim. And every time it goes back, that's dollars that are being delayed in payments. And there's a time factor to money. So my dollar today, getting it two, three months down the line, or even six months down the line, it's there's a time factor that I'm losing. Of, I still have to pay the staff. I'm paying premium to recruit nurses. I'm having to pay premium to maintain the staff that I have. So, that factors all into it. So there are multiple layers, and then um, we now have to pay some COVID monies back um, that was helped to support a lot of our safety net hospitals and other hospitals. So. It becomes a domino effect like you and i have said earlier so they're multifactorial issues at hand or in play right now
0: right so going back to the efficiency you know that is really your the first initiative that you have within hospital operations for absence of care is efficiency with the turnover with the turnover of the beds and that really segues into the next question i wanted to ask you how with the partnership with um, Teletracking, right? That we did um, start working with your hospital organization, your entire system about a year and a half ago, two years. Um, yep. and can you describe how you feel that this partnership is very valuable in gaining more efficiency to ensure that the patients aren't waiting for the care that they need?
1: So it's interesting, We our relationship started right in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of like dating, uh, speed dating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <that's laughs> and re- reintroduce each other. I say, okay, let's try this again. <laughs> exactly. But one of the interesting things, and I love analogies, um, and, you and, and I've given you this analogy, but to the audience, this is the analogy I use is that I'm a mom and pop shop. I have a mom and pop restaurant. So comparing that to a bigger chain restaurant where I have 10, Um, tables that I have to turn over. And another restaurant, which is, has more deeper pockets, nicer room, um, has 20 um, tables. I have to be able to turn around my tables quicker and faster than my competitor has. But I also have to maintain the service level. The food has to be good. Uh My staff has to smile and juice. But they still have to turn those tables over because while I have 10 and they have 20, I have to turn my tables over twice as many times as they have mm-hmm. to maybe be able to maintain the 20-20 ratio. And so that's an analogy I give everybody, as I said. So using a tool like teletracking for us, is my opportunity to make those beds turn over more efficiently. I need to know when patients are in, how do I get them into the bed quicker? And then when uh, we've treated them, how do I get them home quicker? So every little step, so I use an analogy also of when you get out of bed, what is, tell me how you get out of bed when I used to teach residents, And they said, well, I just get up. I said, no, you sit up, you, you flip your, your your feet off of the bed. I said, so there are little steps that you don't think about in, a, in the process of doing things. That's what I think a tool like teletracking helps us to do. So from the moment the patient enters the emergency room, I can track it. How long do they stay in the emergency room? How long does it take for me to clean the room upstairs? How long does it take for somebody to take the patient from the ER to that bed? How long do they spend in that bed? And from each step of the way and the patient progression of care, I can track it and then begin to identify what is hindering that movement through the hospital. Mm-hmm. Is it environmental services Is not cleaning the room in a timely manner? Is it... the nurses on the floor are not accepting the patients in a timely then I can work on those individual steps and then be able to go back to those individual leaders and say here's where we are today here's our goal and this is what we need to do to get to those goals so that's where teletracking for me is helpful and especially since I come from a um, a family of my mom is a nurse but my dad is an industrial engineer so it's all about processes <laughs> so and that's the way my mind works is okay how do we break down this process into its own individual steps uh-huh. being able to track that and from my healthcare perspective is being able to it's like any other data it's like what are the vital signs of the patient blood pressure heart rate uh, respiratory rate and then being able to track it so we have to be able to track the processes the individual steps in a process. So that's where I look at Teletrack and being a very important tool and being the efficient, making our beds efficient or making the whole system efficient.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Well, it's really been an honor to be able to partner with you um, throughout this time and especially watching the engagement, you know, from all of your leaders that are there, you know, they want to improve this access of care. And I I would love for you to talk about your command center um, (laughs) that is led by the best person I think I know, Sean Avery, (laughs) right? Um, And she holds people accountable. So can you just kind of give us that insight for your command center?
1: So our command center, um, we were at another hospital in the north, on the East Coast, Karelian. So compared to them, we're still in our um, infancy stage in terms of growth. But what it has done, and I'll give you um, an example of how efficient, so I got a phone call on Saturday morning at 1 a.m. So we had accepted a case, an orthopedic case, at 1 1 p.m. the previous day from another um, safety net hospital. And by 1 a.m., the patient had still not arrived. So our transfer center calls me and saying, hey, doc, um, what are we doing? (laughs) So then I had to reach out to that safety net hospital and escalate it up to their CEO to say, come on, we need to move this patient. Right. So, but this is part of the issues in healthcare. They could not find an ambulance service to bring the patient over. So 12 hours later, we're still waiting for the patient. Um, and so what we needed to implement now that we're implementing is that for our our transfer center is to reach back out to them and say, if you are having issues getting the patient over, tell us what your issues are, maybe we can't solve it. Because we, for example, in this case, we had a um, relationship with an ambulance service. We could send that ambulance service to go pick them up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where our, our navigation center, our transfer center is really playing a key piece and helping that other those other safety net hospitals traverse the. Um, the landmines that are being placed in their way in terms of getting quality access to care. So so I have nothing but um, mm-hmm. kudos to say to all transfers, because she's like, um, the patient hasn't arrived. What am I supposed to do now?
0: <laughs> Man, I could have drove from New York.
1: <laughs> exactly. Drive. I'm still taking a picture. Exactly. You
0: know? But again, that's really scary because that's a landscape, what's going on right across the country. Okay. You know with transportation with getting the patients out of the hospital level of care so this is a constant work in progress that you're doing with an entire team of people at sinai chicago that are so engaged with improving that access of care so i'd like to kind of end our conversation for this podcast today on how the next step you know, I know you have 30, 60, 90 120 <laughs> day goals, it's endless your goals that you have. But one of the goals, as you talked about, was making sure that you could partner with other safety net hospitals and you've agreed, you know, to have a talk with one in the area and possibly, you know, start to share data moving forward yeah. so you can load balance in real time. Using teletracking. So, kind of just give us, as we're closing out here, what the vision is of what you want to see to ensure that patients in a safety net hospital are getting that access of care.
1: So, um, my vision, high level vision, is we all need to be interconnected in terms of knowing where all the beds are uh, within our systems and. In a way, we're competing, but in a way, we all have the same mission of providing quality access to care in a timely manner. So, if we all know where all the beds are, and we also know what, like, the and, um terminology, the attributes of those beds. So, can, can that bed take? Can that bed take a certain patient at a certain okay. <laughs> a certain time? And then also know the attributes of the hospital. What are the specialties you have? What are the specialties you don't have? So that way we can do something called an auto accept. So I just, the CEO that I escalated that case that I just brought up, um, him and I just sent him a text message. I say, hey, we need to get to a point where we can auto accept cases. I know you don't have orthopedics, but if you know I have a bed and I know you need an ortho case, then my doctors will auto accept. So it's no, no longer a need for them to just get on the phone and start, arguing back and forth for hours it's simply we've auto accepted the case the criteria set you would know from your tele- your command center and my command center where all the beds are you know i have an auto bed that meets the patient's criteria i have my doctors who already auto accepted. it so we're not delaying care so the minute that patient hits your emergency room hip fracture is going to Sinai Chicago because it meets the attributes. You know on your on your monitor that I have beds, orthopedic beds available. So in a minute, the vital signs are taken, baseline labs are ordered. We you call my um, transfer center and say, "Hey, I know you got a bed on, two North, um, that's an orthopedic bed. We're sending this patient over to you guys. Notify your orthopedic surgeon." So
0: perfect. Yep. Perfect scenario. Well, the patient, right, is not going through hoops. Exactly. To the care that they need to have. And teletracking and partnership with your safety net hospitals can produce this. And it's and all about not, the patient.
1: And, not, and you hit on the, the nail on the head. So it's not only just a quality issue, but it's a patient satisfaction. Mm. So can you imagine, um, so the last patient we were talking about, 80-year-old female, who was laying in an ER in, in the inner city of Chicago for over 12 hours. Girl, can you imagine if she was in that ER for under an hour and in my OR within a two, three hour period, had her surgery, then she's in rehab within the next day, how happy she would
0: be. <laughs> how Yes, with any type of, you know, um, incidences occurring you're reducing that risk from that quality yep. of care issue yep. but also you're decreasing your length of stay immediately exactly appropriate placement without having to wait so the burden right and the financial obligation it will decrease because exactly. that length of stay is decreasing but more importantly it's about the quality of care quality of care Produces less time needed in a hospital stay. Right? Oh, no.
1: Yeah. And we all know that the longer you stay in the hospital, the more risk for infections, Absolutely. other hospital acquired conditions. So Absolutely. it's just overall better patient care. And I'm going to use the term customer satisfaction.
0: This has been the Patient Flow Podcast powered by Teletracking your source in insightful conversation with industry leaders making a difference with patient flow today.